Hi, my name is Andrea Jansen, and I am on a mission to help people be ambitious at work every single day. That means you're fulfilled, you're productive, and you're contributing to your company. I'm a certified executive coach that has an MBA, a diversity consultant, a Forbes contributor, a business leader, a wife, and a mother of three. This podcast is about tackling hard topics like the gender gap in the workplace. It's about asking the questions that everybody's thinking about, but doesn't want to say out loud. Each episode is like the sweet spot between motivation and tactical strategies to get you ahead. We get out of our comfort zones and we take action. This is where we learn, grow, and create opportunities. Welcome to the Ambition Theory Podcast. When I was about 25, a recruiter was preparing me for an interview they were sending me on. He asked me the question, where do you see yourself in five years? I gave an honest answer because, to be frank, I was open to whatever possibility was available. He didn't think the company would hire me with that answer, so he gave me a script. He told me what to say. The reason? Because he wanted to please the interviewer and provide them with the answer he thought they wanted to hear. Has this ever happened to you? Being forced into a box or being given an expectation of what you should be striving for in your career? A few weeks ago, inside the Ambition Theory membership, we hosted our first ever event for adults and kids alike, and it was a huge success. It was hosted by our member, Emily Roger, who's a leadership coach and a world champion cyclist who rode a bike for the first time when she was 27 years old. When people told her she was too old to become an elite athlete, she defied their expectations and traveled around the world winning races. We unpacked the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? and how this question can be limiting, and why you should be asking different questions instead. Emily and I recorded a conversation about what we learned from adults and kids alike, and I want to share it with you today. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about Ambition Theory Membership. It includes professional coaching and access to thought leaders like Emily, who you're going to meet in today's episode. The best part is that you'll be surrounded by people who are trying to achieve the same level of success that you are because you can't solve your company's toughest problems on your own. To join, go to ambitiontheory.ca. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about Ambition Theory membership. It includes professional coaching and access to thought leaders like Emily, who you're going to meet in today's episode. The best part is that you'll be surrounded by people who are trying to achieve the same level of success that you are, because you can't solve your company's toughest problems on your own. To join, go to ambitiontheory.ca. Hi, Emily. Thank you so much for coming on the Ambition Theory podcast. Thank you, Andrea. I am so excited that you're here. And I want to tell the story of how we met because it's really interesting. We actually met on a podcast. So I was listening to the Boiling Point podcast about a year and a half ago. And you had this incredible story of switching careers becoming a professional athlete, really getting hit by a car and overcoming that obstacle twice, winning world cycling championships. And I was like, that person is really cool. I'm going to check her out on Instagram. And I checked you out on Instagram. I connected with you on Instagram. I sent you a message and we had a call. And I remember it was right when I just created the Ambitious Everyday Journal. And I sent you one in the mail. And we didn't really talk for probably a year. And we reconnected in March and you pulled out the journal and you opened it up. And I want you to say what you saw. I saw three goals that I had written down less than a year ago. And I think those were like five-year goals. 
and I had already achieved all of them. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I guess I need to update this journal. <laughs> Okay. And uh, yeah, just, just really showing, I mean, for me, journaling has always been so powerful, but putting those thoughts, putting those like aspirations down on paper and, and just being able to look back and, and, and see, wow, that happened. Yes. So you are definitely an achiever. And I watch you before we go any further in this interview, can you just introduce yourself and just share what you're all about? What am I all about? I am Emily Roger and I am all about living my life to the fullest of living a life of of joy, of fulfillment, of passion, and um, just enjoying every single day for whatever it is and being open to whatever it is that God has out there for me. Ultimately, that is what I'm about. Okay. I love this attitude. I love your energy. I love your smile, Emily. Um, And you are a member of Ambition Theory. And I want to share this thing you brought up in one of our coaching sessions. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Because coaching is confidential. So I just want people listening to know I'm asking Emily permission to share this. (laughs) Um, I remember you said you were talking, telling me about filling out a form, an intake form for something. And there was boxes that you needed to check off that said occupation. And you showed up at coaching one day and you said, I had to fill out this form and I didn't know what box to check. Mm. Tell me how that felt. I hate those boxes. (laughs) My, who I am, my career job, any of that. I mean, it just, it does not fit in a box and it, uh, yeah. So I just leave it blank. And I think I asked you like, what do I do in those situations? Because how do I say in one word, two word, two words, what it is that I do? Yeah, I know it's crazy. Right. And it, this real, it kind of came with this realization that we all have these boxes that we put ourselves in. And I think you had a realization that they weren't actually good. No. So tell me about how that came about. So I, I mean, I think that so often we define ourselves by our careers, our identity is in our job, Um, our worth is, you know, kind of dependent on what it is that we achieve. And, you know, I kind of looked back to childhood and that question of what do you want to be when you grow up and how much that question limited me immediately limited me. And, um, and it does put you in a box of, of, okay, what's this one thing? Cause that's kind of how that question is like really kind of made me feel like I had to narrow it down to one thing I was going to do for the rest of my life. And that that is who I was going to be and what, a, what I was going to do. And, and tell uh, me, what was your answer when you were a kid? <laughs> I was gonna, an elephant. <laughs> And then after I found out that that maybe couldn't happen, then my answer was that I wanted to own elephants. I wanted to live in a cabin on the top of a mountain and, and just own elephants. And I had that, you know, that dream, that vision, because I remember being at a circus as a kid, being five years old at a circus and seeing these elephants and they looked so sad. And my job was going to be that I was going to own those elephants, have them as my pets and ultimately make them happy. And I said this in school when I was in grade two, 
And there was a kid in my class who then spoke up and he was like, that is not a job. You need to pick something else. And I just remember feeling so embarrassed, but then at the same time thinking, well, that is a job. And that's a really big job because owning elephants and raising elephants, I cannot imagine how much work that is. Um, And then, yeah, that, uh, that kind of crushed those dreams right there. Okay. But I think there's something, there's a learning there though, because you didn't actually stay in the box. You have such an interesting career and can you explain it to me? (laughs) That's, uh, yeah. I mean, as long as I don't have to do it in one, in uh, one word, (laughs) no, what I do is I work as an executive coach. Um, I work as a cycling coach, um, coach a couple of cyclists and triathletes, um, gosh, what else do I do? I I host trips. Um, Ultimately, I just help people personally and professionally live the life that they're ultimately um, meant to live. I love it. Yeah. So really showing people, sorry, I just interrupted you there, but it's like so many of us, like we try and we talk so much and hear so much about live your best life and, and be, be your best you and show up fully as you. But so often we're always just showing up and limit living this limited version of ourselves based on all of these beliefs that we have just kind of been conditioned throughout life um, to have. And so kind of breaking down those beliefs so that where you are now in your current reality and what you have as a vision as an ultimate you know, purpose in life that you can achieve that. I love that. And you were always this way, were you? How you are right now? Were you always like this? To, uh, to some degree. Yeah. After I finished high school, I thought, okay, I just need to get a job. I need to, I need to do something. This is what people do. And I very much, my identity was okay. What was I going to be? And so I decided to be a dental hygienist. And the, really the only reason why I chose that job was because I remember being a kid and going to the dentist and the dental hygienist being so nice to me. She was so friendly. She just made me feel so special. And I thought, okay, well, if I can't make elephants happy, then I'm going to make other kids going into the dentist happy. And um, yeah, that's one of the main reasons why I chose that career. And I was in that job for eight years and there were certain parts of it that I loved, but I always felt like there was more, always felt like there was more. And I didn't know what that was. Um, there were many times that I felt stuck because I thought, well, gosh, I, I picked this career. I went to school, I paid tuition. Um, and ultimately what more is there? So yeah, to answer your question, I always knew that, that, uh, yeah, that, that there was a, there was a bigger picture. And I love this part of your story is when you were 27, you got a road bike, um, for the first time and you wrote it. And can you share that part of your story with me? Cause I think that's so incredible because we keep hearing, um, you know, or like I have a hockey mom, right? Like my kid is eight and in hockey and it's like, almost like an eight-year-old can't start hockey. Like if they didn't start at four, it's too late. And that is kind of like in sport. That's the message that we're hearing all the time, but you didn't ride a bike till you're 27. So tell me about that part of your story. Yeah. A friend of mine gifted me a road bike when I was 27 and I had been um, like teaching a lot of fitness classes and, and very much involved in, in fitness and had a little bit, bit of a background with that just from being an, an adult. 
Um, but my friend gave me this bike and, uh, I mean, I just immediately fell in love with it. It's like that childlike joy of just being out and riding. And I just started riding every single day and I would go on long rides. I would go on super hard rides. I would, you know, pick a hill and think, okay, I'm going to try and go up as hard as I possibly can. And then a year later, a friend of mine, um, suggested I try a bike race and it was the bike race was the next day. And I was like, yeah, sure. I don't know what that is. Um, but tell me where to go, what time to be there and I'll, and I'll do it. And so I showed up and it was a hundred mile bike race and I had so much fun. Like I had no idea what I was getting myself into, but you know, in my mind, and I was just out riding with like hundreds of people in this super cool environment. And all I had to do was ride my bike super hard. And that's what I had been doing. Um, and uh, yeah, that just opened my eyes to a world of competitive sport that I never even knew existed. Yeah. Cause when you were in grade two, answering that question, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? You didn't actually know that could be a job, right? No, that's the thing. And that's the thing too, with, you know, asking kids that question and they can only answer it with the jobs that they know already exist. And what if your job, what if your calling or one of your career paths that it, it doesn't exist, or you don't even know it exists. Like I never would have dreamt of, um, you know, being an elite athlete racing at the professional level. It, it never was a dream of mine. Yet it happened. It happened. Okay. This is, this is so, I love this. And so I want to talk about what the, this ambition theory event we had last week. So you had this realization that, you know what, kids these days, the pressure on having it all figured out when you're 12, 13, um, you were feeling that with younger people that you knew. And I remember you asked Sandra, um, who's our manager of member success. You're like, do you guys do anything with kids? And we don't. And we said, you know what, maybe um, Emily should just do it. And you stepped up to the plate and you hosted an event with us last week um, called What Do You Want to Be When You Grow Up? And we had parents and kids come together and it was pretty magical. So actually, we haven't actually talked about this. What was it like for you to see those parents show up, be vulnerable and tackle this question with their kids being there? It filled my heart with just so much love and happiness. Like it just melted me. Um, you know, when I did, when I kind of thought ahead of time about what it was that I was going to say, I really wanted the focus to be on the kids. Cause I think it is such an important message for them to hear. And I was really surprised how many of the adults and the parents afterwards, or even during the event learned from it. You know, how many adults are still, which I, which I mean, I know through my work of working with people, but how many adults still, yeah, get caught up in that, get caught up in, in not knowing what it is that they want to do. And ultimately it is okay to not know, but then when you don't know, um, then it's like, how can you be open to then finding out, like, what are you interested in? What are you curious about? Like those roadblocks, sometimes those times that we feel stuck, those times can be so magical because then we can just open our eyes and like, literally like start to not only look around, but look within to see what actually is possible. 
And I loved hearing from kids. A lot of the kids participated in things like I, I could be a YouTuber, or I remember someone was really interested in real estate. And they said, you know, what? I could, I'm interested in real estate, or maybe I could be a host of a real estate show. And it was just like this building up of possibilities. And my observation was the kids were building up the other kids. And unlike your experience with the elephant, where that kid immediately shut you down, these kids were excited. They're like, oh, you could do this. What about this? Have you thought of that? And they were all pushing each other to think bigger, to think forward, to be more creative, to be more curious. And it was really beautiful to watch kids do that. Yeah. And what really stood out to me was that, you know, at the beginning, they were talking about those, let's say jobs, those careers, but then naturally the conversation really just turned into who are you? What's important to you? What are your values? And just having that conversation, just like watching that unfold in the kids. I mean, for me, that was the moment that I'm like, Yes, this is why these conversations are so important. Because what if your calling in life is not what's going to be the thing that pays the bills? You know, maybe maybe your calling, maybe your bigger purpose, maybe your vision is not necessarily your job. I love that. Yeah, it uh yeah. And, and how we can just make our aspirations, I think, even bigger than what our work is. Yeah, totally. It's like, yeah, maybe that career is part of your big vision, is part of your purpose, or maybe it isn't. Maybe it's something bigger and there's so much value to that and just recognizing. And I think having the space to have those conversations and just unpack it because the path is not always clear. No, 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 definitely not. And it's like, you know, I look back on my, on the different careers that I've had, um, you know, being a dental hygienist, being an athlete, being in the, the business, um, you know, restaurant business, franchisee business, all that type of stuff. And I like, even just a couple of years ago, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, Emily, you are all over the place. Like, what are you doing? Where now it's like every single job that I have had has kind of been this stepping stone to get me exactly where I am today. And, you know, even though I'm not working as a dental hygienist anymore, I learned so much from that career that now helps me with where I am. I learned so much with being an athlete. Like that was not about riding a bike. That was how the skill sets that, you know, we're being just built up within me that I am now able to take and utilize in even more important and powerful ways. Um, or the things that I learned with, yeah, like being in business and, and, and franchises and all of that type of stuff. Like at the time I was like, this isn't me, this isn't, which it, it wasn't. And I knew that wasn't going to kind of be my forever thing, but I was able to take all of those little pieces um, of everyday life and then ultimately turn them into something greater. And I don't even fully know yet what that is going to be, which is the super exciting part about it. So I am so I love this mindset. And I love that conversation that you created during that event, but they don't happen automatically. So how can people 
have those conversations with their kids, with their friends, about themselves? How do people even get to that point? Other than coming to an ambition theory event, but it's hard. It doesn't happen naturally. You need to be really intentional about this to get to that spot where you are curious, where you are open, where you are really looking for that possibility. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think, you know, that makes me think of sometimes like you and I, we could get together have a conversation or anytime we have a conversation, I leave feeling so inspired, so motivated, so like excited to just take on life because we had a meaningful conversation. It had substance to it. Like you really want to get to know me. I really want to get to know you. Like what is Andrea actually about? And yeah, like those conversations, they stand out because depending on who you're kind of surrounding yourself with, they can be very few and far between. Um, But I think really ultimately being more curious about people, don't just ask them what it is that they do for work. Like, yeah, sure. That, that naturally might come up in conversation, but like really be interested in getting to know somebody for who they are. And I think that the, the more you uncover that, the more you, ask those questions. Um, yeah, it'll just dive into something so much greater, something so much more purpose that you both then leave the conversation feeling like, I mean, just excited about life, which is how I feel when I talk to so many people, especially children. I wonder if people need to be around children more and just really instead of like, because I think, you know, like I think of like a family gathering, like when I grew up, there was like a kid's table and there was an adult's table. And I had this realization about Zoom. Everybody has Zoom fatigue. And it's really realizing that like in my house, everybody's on a screen like on Zoom or Google Meet, but we're all in one square. Like I'm in a square by myself. My son's in a square by himself on his class. My daughter's on a square by herself on her class. And there's not a lot of time where kids and adults are in the same square or they're engaging in the same thing online together. And I think we need to get back to that place where kids and adults interact just as human beings, because getting that curiosity is natural for children. But as we grow older, we lose it. What do you think about that? That was my realization after I saw all these faces with an adult and a kid together. Yeah. So I think, you know, you say we need to get back to that. I, I would almost phrase that as we need to move forward to that because just like you spoke about your childhood and having the kids table and the adult table, mine was the same way in, in, in a lot of regards. And I remember even thinking at that time, like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, why are we like all separated? Um, and yeah, putting putting more people together of of all different age like of demographics, age group, races, like just like everything. Um, I mean, I love like even the other night, my niece who's thirteen FaceTimed me, and we can sit and chat for hours, and it doesn't matter how many years are between us, like. I mean, we still have so many similar interests. We still have so many similar values. I learned so much um, from her. And I think also just like really, no matter who it is that you are talking with, like be intentional in that conversation. Because as a kid, there were so many conversations that I would have with adults where I would feel 
this person is only having this conversation because like they have to, or like, or, or, or even now, like if someone is only engaging with me because they feel it's like that awkward conversation, it's like, no, be intentional about, about this conversation. Um, for me, it's, it's such a blessing to be able to talk to people, to interact, to communicate and to not take those times for granted. Yes, totally. Cause you learn so much. It opens up your mind. I have another question. This is, it goes back to being career focused. So I was talking to someone in the aerospace industry a couple of weeks ago, um, and they're part of a big association and they were telling me like, yeah, things are really hard in the aerospace industry. People are having a really tough time. And I thought, you know, we work with people in the construction industry as well. And I'm like, wow, it's interesting because there's a lot of people in the aerospace, technical engineers, like they have all these skills. And in my mind, I'm like, you know, the the aerospace industry is not going well right now because people aren't traveling, but the construction industry is going really well because people are investing in their homes, cities are redeveloping. Um, It just would be like a tiny little tweak (laughs) for you to see these possibilities in this other growing industry. But so many people are not able to see that. They're really focused on, I've been 20 years in the aerospace industry. My industry is down. So then I'm stuck in this lane and they can't really, from an outside perspective, it's like, it would just be a little tweak to just apply those skills to the construction industry that is booming and that needs talent, that is struggling to find good people, but people can't see it in themselves. So they don't actually, they don't look for those opportunities. They can't see them, even though they're right there. How could people, how can people just do that little shift? Hire a coach. (laughs) (laughs) Ultimately. (laughs) Um, Yeah, because that is, I mean, and for people who are in careers for that long, their identity is in their careers. It's, it's, that's a, gosh, like, hmm, a question of what could be a small shift. Um, A small shift, I think, would be to, to, to step off, off of, or to step off of the dance floor get up into the balcony, look down from that bigger picture of yourself of what actually is going on down there. I love that analogy. Step off the dance floor and go to the balcony and look at what's going on. That is amazing. I love that. Thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. I have one question, one more question, and this is how we end every Ambition Theory podcast. So you have taught me a lot. We've talked a lot about Um, just shifting that perspective, learning from others, having really intentional conversations. I always like to give people one thing that they can do um, and take action on within 24 hours after learning this podcast. Because if you don't take action, if you don't implement, you're never going to really learn anything if you don't apply it. So what can people do either today or tomorrow to apply what you taught us today, Emily? Oh, gosh. Only one? Only Um, one. Hmm. What can people do? I think uh, pay attention to those moments where, you know, that your face just lights up with a smile. Like pay attention to those little moments and try and capture those and just be aware of them. And then make more of those moments. I love that. Capture the moment and make more. So simple, but so powerful on finding how to make your life happier. 
better move forward. Thank you for that. And how do people connect with you, Emily? They can connect with me um, on my website, Emily S. Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R.com or uh, through LinkedIn, Emily Roger, or through Instagram, E Roger, or can send me an email at Emily S. Roger at gmail.com. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Emily. It was a joy. You're welcome. Hi there. Before you go, I was wondering if I could ask you a huge favor. Can you click on iTunes and give the podcast a five-star review and also a comment? This would mean the world to me. It also helps us to spread the word about the podcast and attract higher profile guests. We want to be able to deliver thought leadership around diversity and inclusion every single week and having more reviews on iTunes will help us to do that and help us to keep the show going for free for you. So please head to iTunes right now, give us a five-star review and leave us a comment. Thanks so much. 